Well, as you've already heard, we have the great privilege today of having uh, Rick Hutchinson back with us and his uh, family visiting with us uh, today. And as you've heard, Rick served as a pastoral intern in the first couple years of our church and blessed our church family through teaching uh, Sunday school when he was here. And I think helping out with life groups and basically anywhere that we could find something to do, he was ready to jump at it. And also Peggy as well. I know teaching the, the young ones and we miss you guys and but are thankful for your call and the work that you all are doing in, in Springville. And, of course, we miss you all because, you know, when the Hutchinson family leaves, the church membership numbers take a big dive. So so we, we miss that whole clan of the Hutchinsons, and we're glad to see you all again today. Come on, Rick, and share God's word with us. Yeah, without us there today, they had to decide whether just to disband in Springville because there were so few people without us in attendance. Uh, thank you, Chris. Uh, it's, it is good. It's good to be back. It's good. It's a pleasure. And, you know, you, you mentioned a, a blessing. It's a blessing for our family just to see what has become of Cross Creek. So thank you for uh, inviting us. I actually would like to ask you to invite you to stand for the reading of God's word from Ephesians chapter three. Uh, the, the sermon will primarily focus on what he says in seven through twelve, but I'm going to read one through twelve for the context. For this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner for Christ Jesus, on behalf of you Gentiles, assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation, as I have written briefly. When you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations, as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the spirit. This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body and partakers of the promise of Christ Jesus through the gospel of this gospel. I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power to me, though I am the very least of all the saints. This grace was given to preach to the Gentiles, the unsearchable riches of Christ, and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages and God who created all things, so that through the church the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness. And access with confidence through our faith in him. This is the reading of God's word. Let's pray. Father, we do pray that you would help us to hear and understand today. And not simply to hear and understand, Father, but to believe. To more deeply be gripped by your spirit. We ask this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Please be seated. God's heart for the nations. That's the theme of your missions conference. And as you want to look at what God's heart for the nations really is, we can go all the way back to Genesis chapter 3. And we can recall, if you think of what happened in Genesis chapter 3, Adam and Eve rebelled against God and in our fallen state, we think they just ate a piece of fruit. 
right? But they rebelled against the Lord. And what did God say? You're cursed. You you will surely die. But he came back. And he says, but the seed of the woman will crush the head of the serpent. And then he clothes them with animal skins, which is what uh, theologians call the proto-evangel, the earliest picture of the gospel message because Christ is the Lamb of God. And we begin to see from the very beginning God's heart of graciousness, of kindness, of forgiveness, and an offering to those who will receive him. What I want us to see today because of the theme of today being church planting is that church planting and the propagation of the gospel through the growth of the church is at the very core of God's heart for the nations. That's what we see in Ephesians chapter three. If you look at verse seven, he said of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power. You see, Paul's calling was to proclaim the gospel, the euangelion in the Greek, the good news. And with good news, there must come bad news first. I've got some bad news. You're going to die. You're actually already spiritually dead. And that same message is for all of us in this room. But he says, those of you who want life, who hunger for it, come to Christ. And that was the gospel that he was taking. And who is he taking it to? In verse 8 of chapter 3, he says, I am going to the Gentiles. To, in the Greek, ethnos, to the nations. And it helps us to understand a little bit about Israel in the Old Testament and who they were. They were God's chosen people and and they were set aside by Abraham and there's more to that story. But in their minds, it's us and them. It's us, the people of God, and them, the pagans, those outside of God's people. And Paul says, my calling is to go to them. My calling is to go out to those who are outside of Israel. My calling is to take this good news of Jesus Christ to them. And then he steps back in verse 9 of chapter 3. And he gives us a a bigger picture view of what he's actually doing. He says in verse 9, To bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things. He says, I am actually making known God's mystery that's been hidden for ages. He says it wasn't revealed to all the prophets who came before you. It wasn't revealed to all the people who have come before me. They they proclaimed good news. They proclaimed this message, but they didn't fully grasp this mystery. And what was this mystery? Well, we go back to verse six, where he says this mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs and members of the same body and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. For us, we go, yeah, I know that. I've heard that all my, thank goodness, because we were all Gentiles in the context of Israel and, and Gentiles. 
But this was huge. Think back to what was going on here. He says, look, the Jews and the Gentiles, God is actually bringing them into a single body. And it's going to, and it's going to be the church, the ecclesia, the, those who are called by God to come together to be a, a, a temple to himself. And if you think back to where this all began, he says, this is by the gospel. This is by faith. Go back to Genesis chapter 12. What happened in Genesis 12? God said, Abram, I need you. I want you to come. I want you to go over here. I want you to look in the, star, the sky and see the stars. I'm going to make you a great nation come from you. You will be the father of a great nation. And Abram said, how will I know this? How is that possible? And God said, well, let me give you a sign. I mean, and, and in Genesis 15, we see this somewhat weird ceremony to us. He cuts these. He says, Abram, Abraham, I want you to cut these birds in half and lay them out. And then Abram, Abram falls kind of into a, a trance or sleep and a smoking fire pot comes out and passes through these animals. And people much smarter than me have said that this is probably a, a ratification ceremony for a covenant. And God made a covenant to Abram. And he said, this is what I'm going to do. And may it be unto me as it is to these animals. May I die if I do not fulfill my promise to you. Abraham said, great, Abraham, thank you. Then we get to Genesis 17 and you, Abraham still, how can this be? How can this be? And he gives him the sign of circumcision. And it's the sign he's ratified the covenant that he's made, the promise that he's made to Abraham. He sealed it with a sign and he's marked all of his people and said, you are my people. We are Israel is what has become the, the mantra, the call of the people as they went through history. But then we get to Paul. And the mystery is revealed that there was a much bigger thing going on than anybody could have ever asked or imagined. You actually go to Galatians chapter three and you see Paul and he says this. Know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. Remember, he says, I will be a God to you and to your children after you. I will make of you a great nation. You will have offspring and people will come from you. And that was a true promise in a real physical sense. The nation of Israel was a fulfillment of that promise. But but. Paul wants us to understand that what God was promising Abraham was was two things. And he says this, and the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, in you shall all the nations be blessed. So then those who are of faith are blessed, along with Abraham, the man of faith. And he reveals to us that it was a spiritual promise. And he ties it and connects it back to Genesis chapter 3. And he says, you remember, you remember when he promised Adam and Eve that this death that you were experiencing, this spiritual death, this real physical death, all of this will pass away. And Christ Jesus is the answer to it. And it's not just for this small group of people, this nation, and people flock to this nation. It is to go beyond this nation to all the nations. And Paul says, I'm called to start this. This was huge. This was cataclysmic. Can't even come up with a word. This was amazing. So God's heart for the nations was to be gracious 
and to be kind and forgiving and to spread this not slowly, but to throw it and cast it far and wide. This promise of hope, this promise of life, this promise to be free from the pains of this world. We just this past week, my my grandmother uh, she died, and we had a funeral, and we we were fo- you focus in on the fact that you're looking at 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 someone passing through this life to the next life. Death is not an end because of what Christ did, and that was Paul's message that it is not isolated, but that message of hope, that promise, goes well beyond a small group of people. You see, God's heart for the nation in verse. 10 of chapter 3, so that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. He is building his church. And if you go back to chapter 2, you you see verses 1, 2, and 3 there. He says, we were dead in our trespasses and sins. We were sons of disobedience. We were in a really bad state. He's talking about all of humanity. Then he goes on in verse 13 of chapter 2, but he says, God was bringing near those who were far off. He says this, but now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. You who did not have the ceremonial law to approach God through the priests, you who were even before that were dead in sin and were, were cast far away from God. You who were cast out of Eden are now being brought near through Christ. You, as Peter would say, are the living stones being built together into a temple for God. So the picture that we have painted is Paul says, for this reason, I, Paul, was called. And he's painting a picture for us. But before we get to that picture, think about how he was called. On the road to Damascus, God struck him blind, gripped him, and Jesus Christ spoke to him and said, you're persecuting me. Paul was murderous going after the Christians, those who were following Christ. He says, stop persecuting me. And Paul said, yes, sir. That was his calling to go beyond. And what what is he doing and what is God doing? What is his hope? He is going throughout every city, planting his church, gathering the living stones and building them up into the temple of God until all of the world has the people of God gathered together. That is what he's doing. And Paul, for this reason, for this purpose, I, Paul, was called to plant churches. Now, what do we mean by that? We mean that he was going to proclaim the gospel and he was led in, in, in hopes that the spirit was out gathering and pulling people together to worship, to sing praises to the name of God, to hear the promises of God, to rejoice, to then be driven by the spirit, to love, to joy, to peace, to patience, to kindness. And through all of this, flipping the world upside down. But the end goal was never to make this world perfect. It was to bring his people through the church, through the gospel to himself. And there will be a new heavens and a new earth. And there there God will wipe away every tear. There will be no death. There will be no pain. There will be no suffering. This is God's heart for us all who are in Christ Jesus. Those whom he called to himself. 
And what is it that Paul is proclaiming? We read this in chapter three, verse eight, that he's preaching the unsearchable riches. And that word unsearchable, it really it means unfathomable. It goes along with what Paul said, what what no eye has seen, what no ear has ever heard. That is what God has prepared for those who love him and are called to according to his purposes. You see. It's the unsearchable, unfathomable riches of Christ. It's not just to kind of let us skirt by and say, well, I'll forgive you. Come on in. It's to bestow and, and flood upon us the kingdom as heirs of the kingdom, which we do not deserve, which we actually forfeited, which we gave up and walked away from as Adam and Eve rebelled against the Lord. And we followed in that pattern. But God's heart is to bestow on the church a wealth that we can't even fathom. As Peter puts it, a wealth that even the angels long to look into. The graciousness of God, the kindness and forgiveness of God. God's heart for the nations is to be gracious to the undeserving. And not just to the undeserving, but to the pitiful and wretched people that have rebelled against him. His heart for the nations is to be gracious throughout all nations, throughout all history, through the church. He's gathering us in every city around the world. And, And here's this is the thing that just grips me when you start talking about God's heart for the nations and you start thinking of his love and desire and his passion to go out and spread his graciousness and his kindness and we live for his glory to show forth his graciousness and his kindness when you begin to think about all that and then you get to verse 11 of chapter 3 he says this this was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord Before Abraham, before the Garden of Eden, before the the foundations, before God said, let there be light. The eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus. His heart and therefore his purpose are unwavering is to bestow on you, the church, on us, the people of God, his unfathomable riches of his grace And say, you don't deserve any of it, but come back into the garden. Come back into the most lavish and wonderful thing you've ever experienced. Shed all the shame that you have. Shed all of the things that create conflict. Shed all of the burdens. Shed all of the covetousness. All of the evil that, that tends to grab a hold of you. The old man that's tugging from behind and pulling you back down. All of that stuff I will wipe away. I will forgive. And you have my love and you will dwell with me forever. You see, he's doing this through the church. And this is what was so amazing by Paul. He says, this is a mystery that wasn't really clearly understood. But God has been working from eternity past. I can't even fathom what that means. But think of the love he has for you. To do all that he's done throughout history to bring you here. In preparation to be with him for eternity. That is what God is doing. And he's using 
He's, he's going through his spirit and he's using us. And he says, go forth, make disciples of all nations, gather them together into the church. And I, I, I like to call that church planting. Go from city to city and, and preach the gospel, proclaim it. And those who respond, bring them together, teach them about Christ, grow them in Christ, and then send them out. Go and make disciples. Hope I'm not stepping too far beyond here, but on some level, the mystery hidden for ages is that God is going to plant churches. That is his passion to save his people, to gather living stones. And to build up the church wherever those who respond will listen. So the question is, how can we be involved in that? Well, there are some obvious ways that we talk about regularly praying, giving and going you can pray regularly for, and, and all missions work ultimately is, is landing towards uh, church planting. That's, that's the desire. You ask any missionary, what do you want? I want people to believe and hear and understand the graciousness of Christ. I want them to be transformed. I want them to desire to come together and worship and then get, send people out and nations to be transformed. That is the heart and passion of a missionary. Pray for the missionaries. Pray for the church plants in our country and across the world. You can give financially to them. You guys are doing, doing that. You're doing that with us, and we appreciate it very much. You can go. One of the things about church plants, as Cross Creek has been, is the desire to continue that. It's not just something you do. It's a heartfelt passion to go out. I want to leave you with this thought, though, because I want to... I want to Strongly encourage us. It comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Paul revealed something absolutely amazing to us. That there was a mystery from, from ages past that we couldn't grasp. And that is, it, it was the church and nobody could fathom that. Well, Paul tells us something else from 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty one. There's another mystery. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment. In the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable, and this mortal body must put on immortality. I like the fact that I don't understand everything. I like the fact that God has something hidden for us that we cannot even fathom. And so when we speak of the unsearchable and unfathomable riches that we are spreading and propagating throughout the world by planting churches and proclaiming the gospel through missions. God says, but you can't even fathom what I have waiting for you. It's a mystery. You will be transformed. You will be made like new. We will have resurrected bodies and you can on some level understand it. But Paul says it's still a mystery. And it's absolutely amazing. Just like the Israelites could never fathom what God was doing. I believe we can never fathom what God is doing for us until we see it face to face. In Scripture, what do they do when they see a, an, an image of Christ? Or they, or they, they see Christ in, in a pre-incarnate form? Or they see Him in some level? They hit their, their knees. They fall to their faces. Because it's absolutely amazing and wonderful. Church. That is what is waiting for us. If there's anyone here that has not bowed at the knees of Christ.
kind of wavering. Like, I, I hear these things, but I'm not sure I understand them or believe them. Trust me. It is something you want to grab a hold of, Jesus Christ. And don't trust me, trust him. Believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, you and your household. That's the promise of God. And it is unwavering. And it is eternal. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your eternal promises in Christ. Thank you for the hope that we have in Jesus. Thank you for the work that you're doing, that you began in eternity past and you you made known to us in Paul. Father, we thank you for all of this, the way that you've revealed it to us. We thank you that you are continuing to grow and build your church, even in, in our country where we at sometimes in the past we felt saturated with congregations. But, Lord, we know that your work is not done here and that you are going from city to city with your people through your spirit. And so, Lord, we pray that you would you would work in the hearts of the men and women and children here at Cross Creek to continue what they've been doing and supporting that work. We pray for Springville and all the church plants in the Birmingham area, all the missions work that comes out of this church. Lord, we thank you for it. And we pray that you would bless it and continue to strengthen it in Christ's name. Amen.